Welcome to another episode of Love with Elise Peck. I'm your host, Elise Peck, best-selling author on the topic of love, personal one-on-one love and life coach and creator and host of this podcast, Love with Elise Peck, which is a collection of love stories. It's love stories combined with love insights uh, to really help you get way more love in your life through listening to the success stories of others who have achieved that result and through the frameworks and insights that we provide uh, through our own journeys of relationship, relationship mastering, getting the love that we want. Um, and also there's many people that have expertise on the topic outside of their relationships that come on the podcast, including today's guest, Rebecca Lowry. So Rebecca is a somatic sex therapist um, and she's an expert in men's sexuality. She also has 25 years experience in the personal development world, um, 16 of which have been focused on awakening men to their true erotic nature. And today we also are discussing her 15 year relationship with her partner, Todd. So she has both the embodied knowledge of her own relationship and then she has also the expertise from you know 25 years uh, in the self-awareness personal development realm 16 uh, years in um, awakening men's erotic nature so of course a juicy valuable conversation with fun storytelling and um, and amazing insights that will absolutely up-level your love life as you listen along. Um, there's some incredible tools in here. There's actually practical tools on how to have tough conversations, how to build more self-awareness. Um, yeah, basically how to get more love in your life, right? Without making yourself wrong or telling yourself that, you know, um, you're not good enough as you are right now. Uh, it's also there's a great discussion on building self-trust and building trust within relationships. So really great conversation. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Love with Elise Peck. I'm your host, Elise, and today, super excited, we're speaking to Rebecca Lowry. Now, Rebecca is a somatic sex therapist and expert in men's sexuality. She has played and worked in the realms of self-awareness and personal or spiritual development for over 25 years and the last 16 of which have been specifically focused on awakening men to their true erotic nature. She is an author, podcast host and the creator of the Sexual Mastery Activation Cards for men and the sexual alchemy journal for men. So like thrilled. I am so thrilled <laughs> to have someone open to talking about these topics. Not only that, like an expert in these topics, like, oh my gosh, juicy, juicy, juicy. So, so excited. Welcome onto the podcast, Rebecca. Hi, Elise. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm excited to talk with you. Pardon? I'm excited to talk with you. Oh my gosh, I feel like it's absolutely my pleasure over here. Um, so today, the love story we're going to be speaking about is what? What is the the romantic relationship in your life that we're going to be um, unpacking today? So I have been with my partner Todd. Uh, it'll be 15 years in in February. So I guess where are we now? October. So I guess 14 and a half years more or less and a half years and uh, I can't so that's 
a little bit aligned with your 16 years focusing on awakening men to their true erotic nature. So you sort of got into awakening men and then you, I'm get, you, you met your own sort of awakened man, I'm guessing, and went on a journey. Did they kind of go hand in hand? Was there any synchronicity with those two journeys or is it just completely separate? Yeah, no, there's a lot of synchronicities. I, I would say the, the main one is that um, I was I was exploring neo tantra and conscious sexuality and all that sort of thing for my for my personal self you know a few years before all of this and um was in and out of relationships during that time and um i had assumed that when i found the one <laughs> um which is what i was looking for I, that's what felt right in my system um that he would come from that world you know because at that time you know those men were the, that I was meeting in those spaces were open to self-development and self-awareness and exploring conscious sexuality. And so I had assumed that that's the world that my partner would come from. He didn't come from that world, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. But I, I first of all, I wouldn't have been ready for this kind of relationship if I hadn't been doing that work. And I was really grateful that I was already doing this work when a relationship came along so that I I think past me might have put a relationship above the work that I was loving doing. And actually the work is core to my being and who I am, but I that was the early days of it. And so I think me, I wouldn't say I was established in the work, but I was certainly, it was growing roots in me. And so to have that first and then a relationship come in was the right ray around for me. For the relationship to work and for me to be true to the work that I do as well, if that makes sense. So it's sort of like you found your true calling and because you were so on your purpose and what I call in alignment, uh, it meant that you were then in a position to um, be a match for something quite balanced and healthy because you, I guess you were so fulfilled within yourself that it, it had to sort of be an add-on, I'm guessing, or an or, an enhancement to the kind of the, the joy that you were already creating. Is that very right? Much so. Yeah, very much so. And I can remember, in fact, at that time, I was assisting the teacher that I'd been learning a lot from. So helping her run her workshops. And over the two or three years that I assisted her, she ran workshops for individuals, but she also ran workshops for couples. And I remember sitting in those couples workshops often as the only single person there and looking around and thinking, wow, these men are showing up, you know, they're showing up to work on their relationship. And I want that in a man, you know, for sure. And then at some point sitting in this, you know, not feeling jealous, but more just feeling like, still feeling a little like, mm, I want that. I want, you know, that kind of feeling. But at some point, I remember looking around thinking, this is good. This, I'm okay as I am, and they're okay as they are. And one day I may or may not have that. And in that moment of actually feeling at peace with myself and my situation, it was only days later that I then met my partner. That's how it happened, very, doesn't it? Very, very, very common trend and theme. Uh, I, I recall. So there's this uh, famous hypnotherapist that um, does a lot of ads that are kind of her um, talking through story and her client stories. And she she told this story about how she'd been looking and looking and looking and she had a series of really unhealthy relationships, uh, always the same kind of um, kind of person, which from what I gather had really high expectations and was very critical of her. 
And um, she said one day she, it was always a pain of never having quite the love that she wanted. And one day she was on a trip and they gave her the honeymoon penthouse suite and she was in there. And someone was like, oh, you poor thing. I'm so sorry they've given you the honeymoon penthouse suite when you're single and you're longing for love. And she said that day she turned around and went, you know what? I'm good. Like if this was the rest of my life, if this was it, and I just had to be me solo in the penthouse, in the penthouse um, honeymoon, honeymoon suite, no worries. And she said it was like days later, not even that she met her, her, um, her now husband, which is a wholly, a whole different kind of um, union. And uh, the interesting thing is I heard that initially. And then if I reflected on my own love life, that's absolutely uh, what happened for me. And then I've had this podcast and it, this story is coming out over and over and over. I call it um, surrender or alignment. Uh, either the woman is fully surrendered and she gets to this space of almost like a, a there's like two energies. There's one's like a hopeless kind of, well, it's not going to happen. Stuff it. <laughs> well, I'll just let it go. And it's like a devastated surrender. And then there's um, an alignment energy, which is like, I'm not even thinking about being devastated of not having it because I'm, I'm so busy having, having such a good time over here doing this. And both of them seem to attract love. I haven't yet done the data on if they're getting different kinds of love, but the aligned energy is kind of bringing in um, love, like basically not thinking about a relationship because you're so fulfilled. And then also the, the heartbroken, helpless, it's never going to happen for me, so I'm just going to let it go. That also seems to work. But both of them are kind of this letting go of thinking about needing love and I will say there is a third category of person that says I'm going to be super intentional I'm going to go out and I'm just going to filter rapidly and they go through 475 dates or a thousand dates or they meet friends and it's very it's very right brain left brain it's very logical <laughs> the other two are very feminine <laughs> so I'm seeing these three categories and I just am saying this to, to build a framework for anyone listening keeping up how does Rebecca's story fit in to the weave of the podcast that's being created here and all the stories the way it's fitting in is I would say this is the energy of alignment. This is the you were in alignment. You were living your purpose uh, and you got so filled up from within. You, you created so much of your own joy that you, you got to the point of I'm good. Open to it, but good. Amazing. So then tell us. So that was your mindset right before you met um, Todd. So then tell us how you met Todd. <laughs> another piece at some point we should come back to because although I was in that I would call it almost surrendered alignment but that there was one thread at the back of that that we'll come back to at some point maybe but how I met was um okay let me think where to start I was in happened to be in Canada for a wedding and I got a text from my daughter's guitar teacher telling me that he had had success. So we live in the UK. He had had success in Austria as a musician and was moving to Austria and he was passing me on to another teacher. And um, this teacher, so in this music school, I use the term loose, it was a music school. Uh, it was like in this dingy basement and very long story short, the owner had asked me to uh, put some of my art up. That he told me that I could sell some of my art that I was making there. And months before this text, I had a phone call from a chap named Todd, who was a guitar teacher at the school, saying that he wanted to buy a piece of art. And we had this really interesting conversation. And I don't have a good memory, but I remember he asked me, 
during this conversation, he said, when he writes a song and if he should sell the song, he could still play the song. So although he, saw, he might sell the rights to it, he could still play it and enjoy it. But if I sold a piece of art, the art was gone. And how did I feel about that? I was like, oh, I don't know. I'd never thought about that. And I was, you know, I was like, oh, that's a good question. And I haven't thought about that. We had this really interesting conversation. And that was that. He left the money with the shopkeeper, took the art home. We never met. And now months later, he we were being handed over to him. My daughter was going to be handed over to him to be his new teach, her new teacher, because the other one had got famous in Austria. And so she started having lessons with him and and with his brother, she was having drum lessons. So she'd have half an hour with him, half an hour with the brother. During that half an hour with the brother, often Todd would have a break for whatever reason, either his student wouldn't turn up or it was his dinner break or whatever. And he and I would chat. And I was like, well, there's something about this guy, you know? And at some point he asked me, um, so I was also, I was doing this work, but I was, I was, overlapping with my old work which was doing body work and healing work which you know is very similar it just wasn't in the realms of sexuality yet and he was telling me that he had a sore shoulder from all the guitar playing he'd been doing at this gig and could could he come for a massage could we swap like a lesson for a massage and that's kind of how we met he came for a few massages we talked for hours afterwards and then um I didn't know I'm I'm 10 years older than him and I didn't know if you know what's going on here is this like is he there's something but is is he just being friendly or I don't know what's going on and then he he started talking about sexuality and he was asking about the tantra neo tantra stuff that I was exploring and how might that overlap with kink things and we had these really interesting conversations of like why is he talking to me about sex and then he started writing me letters that so he's a wordsmith and songwriter and all of this and he started writing me letters that were very intimate very sensual and sexual but also had love in them and I was like what is going on like this is this isn't like a friends with benefits thing that he's looking for and we hadn't kissed or anything so I was like I'm open to whatever this is because this is stunning and then at some point can I just ask, is this like hard copy letters? He was like delivering you letters or like an email? How are these letters getting to you? How is so he? I, got a, I worked at the time. I was starting to do this work at home and also still working my other job, which was doing um, massage and energy healing and that sort of thing at a charity for people with disabilities. And that was about 10 or 15 minutes away from my house. And I got a text from him saying, I've delivered a letter to your house, make sure no one else reads it. So <laughs> I rushed out of my lunch break and there was this beautifully wrapped letter. It was like all wrapped in tissue paper and a bow on it and all this stuff. And I opened it up and it was, uh, was it, I can't remember if it was handwritten. I think it was, I think it was typed and printed if I remember correctly, but I, I'd have to look back to, to remember for sure. But and it was long. Point, at this point, you'd only hung out as as friends. It was not clear it was romantic. And then this made it really clear. You get this like, sexual letter. You're like, okay, I I, I guess we're, we've crossed the line there. That's pretty yeah, obvious. It was, that, it was sensual and sensual and romantic. Mm. And I was like, what? What is what is this? And I think at this point we may have hugged, and we we have a running joke that who asked for the hug? He was like, well, of course you asked for it. You were doing all that 
neo-tantra stuff of like I wouldn't ask you for a hug and I was like no you asked for the hug it's, I don't know it probably was me but yeah so I got this letter delivered and it was so sensual and so erotic and beautiful and laced with love and so at some point I can't remember exactly the whole everything of it um so I responded, I wrote a letter back. I can't remember how I got that to him, but we started writing these letters. I mean, we were also talking on the phone all the time and texting all the time. So it was like there's sub, subtext running. And then it was like, so you're, you're, is this friends with benefits? Is this lovers? Is What's going on? He was like, well, don't know. It's early days yet, but like, I'm interested in all of it. And he told me later, his brother to their twins, his brother had come out from teaching one day and we'd been talking. And he said, after I left that his brother said to him, well, there's, there's something about her. And Todd was like, yeah, she's mine. I saw her first <laughs> like, really clear, like boundary there. And also he told me that only months before he had told his friends and his brother that he wasn't interested in relationships anymore. Like he didn't really need them. He's good on his own. He, he was close with his brother, you know, and that he wasn't interested, but he would leave a Rebecca Lowry shaped door in the relationship area. Like if um, I, if I came to the door, he was up for a relationship, but if it wasn't me, he wasn't interested. Oh, okay. So he was open, but not sold yet. He's like, he wasn't clear. I want a relationship, but there was a, there was an opening for the potential with you only. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so whereas I was, I wouldn't say I was actively looking at that time, but I was actively open to relationship. I knew that's where I wanted to end up one day. Mm. He wasn't fussed at all, unless it was me. <laughs> oh, so he was like, I, I don't really, I'm not looking for a relationship, but if anyone's going to have Rebecca, it's going to be me. <laughs> it was more like if I'm going to have a relationship, it's going to be with her or I'm not going to oh. have one. Yeah. Amazing. So how did it end up, you're 15 years later, how did you end up being, how did he get to the point and you and him become a couple? Gosh, it's funny thinking back all those years ago. So at first we took it really slow uh, in part because, I'll, I'll come to that in a minute because that's better, but in part because my daughter at the time was 14 and um, there was some other emotional stuff going on in our life and stuff and so I mean we weren't together but um he was not well at the time and so there was a lot of stuff going on um and so we took it really really slowly and kind of saw each other without her knowing for a while but I wasn't one to really keep stuff from her so I wanted to just make sure that there was something solid there before telling her the great thing was that um she was having guitar lessons with him and she adored him you know, and he adored her. They knew each other before I knew him really. And I think, you know, he always says that really, he loved that because he didn't have to get to know her awkwardly separately that they already had a relationship. Um, so, and she was kind of grossed out as a 14 year old would be, um, but also thrilled. She asked if she could have a different teacher, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> I know. Um, but apart from that, she, very quickly grew to love him and adore him. I mean, everyone loves and adores him. He's he's a very special person. Um, we, yeah, so we went really slowly and even said that like we started to fool around as, you know, couples do, but we decided that we wanted to take our time before moving into anything full on sexual. Um, 
for many reasons and and I'm glad we did. I think it was probably the only time I ever did that <laughs> and it worked out well. So highly was recommend. That partly, was that partly informed by the work you were doing uh, and like your knowledge of erotica or, or like the erotic work or these, the, was there like a, a knowledge of, no? It was, I was able to go at that pace because of that work, but it was all informed by him. He wanted to take things slowly. His thing was that, and I'm going to use his words, he said, what most couples do is they get a hit of the love bong early on. And he doesn't do drugs, but this was his words. Yeah. Um, and then, and so they, you're in this like loved up state for a few months or however long it lasts. And then it dwindles mm -hmm. and you have to go back and find it, you know, that kind of thing. And he said, he didn't want that to happen. What he wanted to do was build a strong foundation so that that was always underneath us. Mm -hmm. And um, so we we did that, you know, we, we were very emotionally attached and involved or whatever the correct word is there before we took ourselves all the way sexually, for example. Mm -hmm. And it was exquisite, really. The other part of that was that we wanted to be able to be sexual um, safely. And we, we went and had sexual health tests. And at that time, it doesn't seem right. I was telling somebody this the other day, and I don't know if my memories correct or whatever but at that time you had to wait a while to get the results and it took us a while to even get to both doing the tests because just busy lives and all of that so we like did the, eventually did those tests and then had to wait for the results and then had to wait for an opportunity to be sexual as well because obviously we had busy lives and I had a daughter and so it took about four months before we were full-on sexual with each other mm -hmm. and uh, I think that really worked well for us I think we were ready earlier than that but that's that's what happened and it I between that and also a lot of the care that we took about how we built the relationship we've never lost that falling in love part like we're falling in love all the time which is oh, you know because you I, just know how to create emotional intimacy is that why because you you built the foundation on building an emotional intimacy is that why you just keep falling in love do you think I think that's part of it and I think Another part of it is that I think there's many strands and I, I can tell you what's on top of my head right now. I, I probably with longer to reflect would think of other things. I think it's in part because we're intentional about that and in part because we're both very good at being present with this moment. And of course, this moment hasn't existed. And so although we have this beautiful intimacy and trust and the depth that comes after having been with somebody for a long time, that's intrinsic. And also we know that this person right here in this moment has never existed before and who's here and he's brand new, you know, and he does that as well. And so we, we have this beautiful coexistence of the safety and trust that you get from a long-term relationship, but also the, I don't know, personal development, self-awareness, whatever it is of being present Mm. in the moment and yes. also intending to we intend to fall in love intend to keep it fresh intend to you know yeah something something like that something mm. of those threads mm. woven together yeah it's like you're each on your own path of growth and that creates a freshness and then you have this effortless curiosity for each other and that curiosity of creates this presence of being present and witnessing someone unfold and caring about them and and it, that's you know that's 
that's a beautiful energy to feel like someone is so present with you and is interested and curious about you and and it, it's lovely for them that you keep growing so that it's a different you know um there is something new there it's like this new and freshness it's a beautiful combination of the variety and the safety because the safety creates a secure attachment but the variety creates the passion and the desire so yeah definitely and I also as you're saying that it's making me think that also we we each do our own development and growth and evolution and all of that and we hold good space for the other to do that as well mm -hmm. and as part of that there's a, a third thing which is the container of relationship which is also always growing and expanding to hold each of us so mm -hmm. it's kind of this like I don't know like bio <laughs> uh organic thing ecosystem yeah mm. yeah yeah I love that and so I guess would you say that I mean what I'm hearing is that um, having growth mindset is a critical element to creating long-term passion is that if you're both growing um, and evolving it's like that's going to inspire the other one to grow and the other one to grow and I'm guessing that you're part of your growth is learning the interpersonal skills to create the safety um, so would you say having a willingness to grow um, is the key is one of the keys to a relationship it is for us I, I I can't say for everyone else. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because sometimes people misunderstand the idea of growth as you're not good enough as you are. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm, I don't think that's what you mean, but I don't want anyone to think that, um, that you, it's not about improving self or that you're not good enough as you are. It's just that part of the human story is... Mm -hmm learning and growing and evolving consciousness evolving through human experience mm -hmm. and so we're both very aware of that and kind of embrace that so for us it's a big part of it and certainly in past relationships part of the problem was that my partners didn't want to grow didn't want to self-examine didn't want to you know have good communication around how we were nurturing and growing the relationship didn't want to um explore their own stuff and eventually that stuff then gets in the way you know or you, you or for, you know in my case their stuff was getting in the way because they weren't willing to address it and eventually I I mean it sounds really snobby but I I evolved out of the relationship you know I was working on myself all the time and so therefore my perception of life and love and relationship had shifted and they weren't keeping up you know and I think I think some relationships manage to last through that, but for me, that just, I know it didn't work. Whereas with this one, because he um, naturally wants to grow and evolve, I don't have to push him. Neither of us is pushing the other. It's just who we are. And so for us, that works. Mm, yeah. It's reminding me as you're talking, I'm thinking about this thing I once saw, which was that, um, there is no self-development without self-awareness. Uh, and I, I love that you're bringing up this point about it's not about you being um, perfect because that's actually a point I make a lot. It's on my website, our homepage. If someone's on the podcast, we're talking about working on themselves, I'll clarify, what do you mean by the work? Because some people think they've got to become better. And the work is more the interpersonal skills um, and the self-discovery. And so something that I, I really love is this concept of um, 
it, the, the key really is self-awareness. It is actually just being aware of yourself because once you're aware of yourself, you will spontaneously get called into things that, oh, <laughs> an awareness that you naturally want to go to another level on. Um, you want to understand more and that's the growth. It's really the self-awareness. And I noticed in your, in your introduction, um, you have played and worked in the realms of self-awareness. Uh, and, I, and I think, um, yeah, it, it's really tricky that some people can read all the books and know all the knowledge, but they can't see how it applies to themselves. Have you ever, it's fine if the answer is no, I've been told sometimes I do tricky questions. So this is too tricky okay. to say, just say, I don't know, and we'll move on. It's all good. But I'm curious, just in case you do have an answer, um, do you, do you, have you found any ways to help someone build self-awareness if they're currently very lacking in self-awareness? Have you discovered anything that helps someone become more aware of themselves? Yeah, loads and loads and loads of things. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I help clients with that all the time. Yeah. And my partner and I also, you know, do this stuff all the time. Um, and for me, you know, self-awareness is just knowing yourself really well. And it means and owning yourself, you know, so like knowing um, what you like, what you don't like, knowing what makes you shine, but also what triggers you mm. and owning your shit. So like if my partner and I are talking and I get triggered by something, what I want to do is pause or maybe come back to it later and say, okay, what is going on? This is my trigger. If I didn't have that button, it couldn't be put, uh, pushed. So what is going on here? And I, I want to, instead of, instead of being like the victim or poor old me, I have this trigger or you're hurting me because I have or whatever it is. I mean, there might be slivers and moments of that, but eventually when you can take a breath and pause and come maybe out of the context and say, mm -hmm. okay, so what is going on? Why did that hurt? What, where can I trace that back to in me? And it might be, I don't know, something someone said when I was 15 or, you know, that thing that happened all those years ago or the things that happened repeatedly, usually that I haven't addressed, I haven't healed, I haven't loved bits of me that I beat up, whatever it is. But when you know those parts and can own them, then they don't have you by the short and curlies. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I think is important with anyone's self-awareness journey that my partner and I, if I may say so, I think are really excellent at is that. And so if he says something, some, oh, I know, okay, I've got a good example. So he's, he's out of town this week, uh, weekend, he's gone away. And I'm delighted for him because he's a real extrovert. He grows when he's around a lot of other people and we're in a new area. So we don't know a lot of new people locally. Um, it's going to be good for him socially, personally, professionally, all these things. And also there's a sliver of me that's like, boo hoo. I just got back home from a trip myself and now you're off. And it's kind of got its bottom lip out, its arms crossed, you know, it's, it kind of wanted to turn away from him. It's not all of me. Like in the past, I might've acted from that sliver and given him the cold shoulder or been a bit off with him or something because that would have it would have ruled the roost or as I say driven the you know we're like a bus of many personalities and personas aren't we and it, it might have gotten the driver's seat without me being aware of it but when we were talking about him going and when I was saying goodbye to him at the train station 
I was so excited for him. And I said, and you know, there's a sliver that's a little pissed off you're going as well. Like, she's like, what the, what the fuck, dude? I just got back. I'm, and he was like, oh, I love her so much. Let me give her some love. And he was like squeezing me and loving her, loving that sliver. And so I don't have to pretend she's not there. I don't have to be all big girl. Oh, it's great. You're going, honey. I'm, I'm so fine. And, and it doesn't feel authentic. I also equally don't have to be like, well, where the fuck are you going? I just got back. Da, da, da. Because, you know, paradoxes are true. You know, multiple opposite truths that are true at one time. And the truth is I'm delighted for him. And that sliver is was not as delighted mm. so if i can be self-aware enough to know there's a percentage you know 97 percent of me was happy for him or nine percent or whatever and there's this one sliver and and tell him then he can hold the fullness of me mm. and not the fakeness of me not telling him the full truth oh oh <laughs> that's a beautiful Way with words you've got there he can hold the fullness of me not the fakeness of me um i love that and i love that you've got uh some good strong communication skills in there that you're able to kind of warmly invite him into that instead of saying i just realized you asked me a question and i'm not sure i answered it no i mean no it's it's perfect because as you're talking i've got some I, i'll add to the conversation and that might stimulate some more of you into the conversation as well um uh but yeah, I love that the important part about that is noticing the trigger, becoming aware of the trigger yourself enough that you have like a neutral observer that is able to like, or a neutral inner parent <laughs> that is able to do a yeah. bit of parenting to that little part, hey, <laughs> and then let it have its voice. But by the time it's got its voice, it's digestible. Because I think people are like, um, you know, I, I once set a boundary with someone, hey, like, <laughs> The way you're communicating, it feels like you're sort of attacking me. And they were like, what, doing this? I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop. And I was like, and, and here I can, see, I've got children. So I could see that is this inner child. That, that, that And I think people think being authentic means I can let my inner child go nuts. And it's like, no, because there's authenticity and then there's interdependence. And interdependence requires co-regulation and self-regulation. So it requires sharing yourself in a regulated way that the other person can digest insofar as you can. And so it's like, okay, there's that little part of me that is like arcing up. All right, let me do a little bit of self-soothing on that. And so I have enough uh, emotional control to calm down the fight or flight response. I can come up to choose my response and then articulate it. So by the time you're saying it to your partner, to Todd, the way you're saying it is in a way he can receive it. Hey, I'm happy, like compliment sandwich. I'm happy, also just sharing. And so you're not making him wrong. You're not blaming him. You're not giving me attitude. You're not projecting it out as his fault. You're owning and taking accountability that you're having a feeling and you're letting that feeling be seen and you're articulating it from a I am, I, this is mine, I get it. And you're, you're there, hey, can you help me with this part of me too? And I think that's such a key. Uh, you can't just go out in, in life fire hosing <laughs> your absolute unfiltered truth like it's 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 too much uh and i know that people are afraid of the word too much but everyone else has their own bus of multiple personalities as you said in inner children um and everyone else is in amygdala in the fight or flight so you've got to communicate like you're talking to another human that does have the fragility of being a human like Everyone can't be a brick wall at, at, with everything that you can throw against them. Everyone else has got their own stuff, their own inner child, their own 
And so you've got to almost be speaking to each other's inner, inner children and realising that we are all vulnerable. Um, and so I love that. I just wanted to kind of touch on that point that, oh, I say this and then he holds it. People be like, oh, why can't I find a partner that would hold that part? It's like, I think you would find, most partners would, if there was a, enough self-regulation to present it in a digestible form. Um, yeah. And self-awareness. So my partner is is good at hearing what's being said. So when I say to him, um, you know, 97, 98% of me is thrilled that you're going and I can see how good it's going to be for you. And there's this 2% that's, you know, got her bottom lip out. Mm -hmm. um, he's hearing that, you know, in the past, I might've misheard that if, if my partner was telling me that, I wouldn't have heard the, the bit about him being fine. I would have just focused on the bit like, oh, he's upset, I've pissed him off, you know. But my partner hears it's it's 2%, it's a sliver of, of me. And so, you know, like other ways that we language ourselves, we talk about there's a village in here, you know, and all the villagers don't agree with each other and they have different perspectives on what's going on. Yeah. And to really hold each other fully and allow them, your partner and yourself to bring your fullness, you know, there's contradictions, there's paradoxes, you know, yes, I'm thrilled he's going and a part of me is not. Equally, I know I'm safe to tell him that and that he's not going to trample the part of me. He's not going to be like, well, I'm going anyway. Well, you knew I was going. Well, you said it was okay. He's not going to do any of that um, because he's hearing there's this one vulnerable part. And so he can hold her tenderly. And I, you know, the, the, the stuff you're saying about co-regulating and, 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 or, or something being too much, it's, it's not even that any part is too much. It's that it's not the full truth because there's lots of other voices in uh, there too. Such a good point is, are you, are you coming from the secondary emotion or of the primary emotion? So true. Like um, when that person's coming at me, blah, 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 what, what was really underneath that? Underneath that, was there a feeling of powerlessness and overwhelm or not being heard? Um, and if you, instead of spraying at that level, go into your body and ask, what am I really feeling? Like what, the part of me that wants to attack someone right now, what are they really feeling? And I go into the body, oh my gosh, they're feeling so scared, powerless, um, and like they're scared they're gonna be abandoned or something like this. And then if you actually share from the primary emotion, I just want to let you know this is really irrational. <laughs> and also, legitimately, <laughs> I had this moment yesterday in the car. I had an event to go into and we were going to sign our wills. We were setting our wills, my husband and I, for our children. And, um, <laughs> and I was feeling a bit on edge with everything he was doing. <laughs> and so I was like, what is this really about? So I shared something which was just so left field. I'm like, I just want to let you know right now I'm experiencing a fear of dying. <laughs> But had I not sat there and been like, what am I actually experiencing right now? I would have just been like, you're being annoying. You're being annoying. You're, you're... And instead, I was like, this is going to be left field. And also the primary thing that's going on here is like this fear of being annihilated right now, which I know on a random Friday at 2 p.m. Uh, when there's no threat. Oh, there's like literally there's there's no logical reason for this, but it's come up. And I think, um, yeah, it's such a good point is can you go under that trigger and go under that trigger and under that trigger until like, what is the real primal situation going on there? And can you try and present from like your, your inner child or from your feeling body? Hey, <laughs> this is what's happening for me. Um, I love that. I'm super aware of the time. Something I just wanted to quickly touch on with the self-awareness was um, 
as I said it, I had I had three things I just thought I would, for anyone listening, I would pop in about the self-awareness that have really helped me with get more in touch with myself. One is journaling. So sometimes you're afraid to say it to anyone else, write it out. And 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 if you say, I don't know what I want to write, you're almost scared of your own words. Say, if if you did know, what would it be? And then and then promise yourself that you'll burn it or delete it or whatever, but find any way to get the words to come out onto the paper, even if you're terrified of what you're, you or some part of you is actually thinking. Um, and another one is um, if you have a safe space or a friend, talk it out with them. It's that you can sort out your thoughts and what you're talking. But another one is just being in a relationship and getting multiple relationships because the more people trigger you and mirror back to you, the more you start to become aware, oh, that's happening with everyone. I had this client once. She's like, that person's making me angry, that person. She cut out like the work, which cut out so much. She's like, Elise, there's literally not one person to be angry with and I'm still angry at someone. <laughs> Now you know that there is some part of you. Like, so I think relating to people, I just wanted to pop that in quickly, but I want to get back to you because we are, um, time is running away fast. Um, so I will just ask you, what are your tips on making love work? Oh, that's great. I think, well, self-awareness that we've been talking about a lot, I think is key. Owning your shit, um, cultivating really good communication um, and Part of that, of course, is being able to speak honestly and from the heart, you know, clearly. And another part is being able to receive that. In fact, my partner and I have a, um, he created this little exercise called releasing the black dove. I have no idea where he got that name from, but it was when one of us has something to say to the other that is either really difficult to say, or we believe will be hard to hear, then we can say to each other, hey, I need to release a black dove if you got time later of course the first thing is like oh shit what are, you know um and but what we both know then is that we're both vulnerable the person saying the thing and the person receiving the, the thing is we're both very vulnerable and in a different relationship we might not have even bothered to say the thing because it's so terrifying for one of us or both of us mm -hmm. but that we um trust and honor our relationship so much that we don't want anything unsaid or unclear or, or um, yeah, that that's festering in the background. And so that, that we honor that both of us are showing up to clear, as we talk about the nest of our relationship, to keep the nest clear. And so to good communication is both sides of it, isn't it? What, what you say, but also how you create a safe space for your partner to bring difficult stuff. Um, so that is part of it. What else? I, um, I think that. I love releasing the black dove. Beautiful. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. And so we have gray doves as well, which are stuff that isn't going to be quite as triggering, but might still be it's still a little bit like, oh honey, I have a thing to say. I'm literally <laughs> going to use this because I am very frequently the person that says, I've got something to say and I'm way too scared to say it. Yeah. <laughs> so every time you say this, it's absolutely fine. But um, but I love that it's so soft. I've got a gray dove. I've got a black dove. I'm going to use yeah. that. Yeah, beautiful. And it's also a bit of a, um, not warning, but it, it alerts your partner that, okay, my partner's approaching me very vulnerably, but loves us enough, you know, because we're a team, loves us enough to say the difficult stuff. Because when you don't say the difficult stuff, you know, it builds up like pebbles under a carpet. Eventually it's impossible to walk on. So, and you don't even know why you've got this resentment anymore because you can't remember the stories in them, just the feelings left. So it's much better to just say it at the, either at the time or, you know, when you create a safe space for it to be said. Um, 
what else? Yeah, definitely being present with each other, trusting each other and and giving each other reasons to trust, you know. I, I used to have a whole long list of them right off the top of my head. I'm like, hmm, I'll just is that ask for anyone that's wondering. I mean, I've heard theories. I've been doing this attachment boot camp and the concept is the way you build trust is by having really core principles and you consistently are in integrity with those principles. So people come to see, oh, Elise, I know she stands for blah, blah, blah. And because of that, because it's like absolute commitment to your principles, people trust you because they see that you're always like this solid, oh, I can trust Elise. Uh, but I'm wondering if you've, if you've got anything else that you've seen is really key to building trust. Because people are like, okay, trust, but <laughs> how do I do that? Um, is there any tips on how to cultivate trust? Do what you say and say what you mean. You know, okay. like, yeah. like be, be trustworthy and mm -hmm. you're going to naturally, hopefully draw more trustful relationships. I mean, and it is something you build. You know, we have that term build trust. Um, I think that you, you could give trust and then, and then see what happens. And I think that's not a terrible thing to do, you know, because if you start with distrust, you're always looking for something not to trust, right? Yeah, like the reticular activation system in the brain. So you start with trust, but, you know, I think listen with your whole being, feel with your whole being, sense with your whole being. Is this safe? Is this true? Are they, does this person's words align with their actions and vice versa? Um, yeah, trust is trust is um an interesting one, isn't it? Mm. Like would you say that you start with trust and then people slowly lose the trust, or you say start low and then people have to earn it? Uh, it depends on what's happened to you in your life, doesn't it? It depends. Yeah. My preference is to is I tell you what, is to start with yourself. So there's a great saying that I love, which is the bird doesn't trust the branch not to break. Yeah. It trusts its own wings yeah. that it can fly away if the branch breaks. And that's, it always comes back to self. So like, if I can be solid within myself, mm. have some self-awareness, trust myself, mm. then I can be generous and give trust first to someone new yeah. and, and see what happens. And if something happens that, uh, breaks trust I am still safe and contained within myself because I trust my own wings and it might be that there's something to clear up and then they're trustworthy or it might be that they've broken your trust and you know that's the end but that's my story and my situation and my background and all of that so I think other people who maybe have had trust broken more might want to start from somewhere else so I think it depends on context a bit yeah, absolutely. I, I think that comes back to the self-awareness piece and loving wherever you're at in your journey, because there are times, there are times when I have felt fiercely independent and I know I could handle anything. And there's other times when I just, it's like, you no, know, like, you know, you're, you're a new mom now or you're this and you're shaky, you know, you're vulnerable and you know, uh, I got to be a little bit more guarded with what I let in right now. So I think, um, it's a dance of self-awareness with yourself, isn't it? And I guess you would build that trust through micro moments of watching yourself say you'll do something and then acting in alignment with it, watching yourself say you're going to be a really courageous, honest person and then doing bits and, and, and living into that identity. Um, I'm very aware that you have a client appointment coming up. Um, 
Is there anything that I haven't asked you about? I mean, first off, I don't want to miss this opportunity before you get going to to offer up if you want to let people know about the kind of work you do and how they can get in contact with you, um, how they could work with you, that, that sort of stuff, if you want to take a moment to share that. That's very kind of you. Um, uh, I work with men, mostly in person if I can or via Zoom if we can't um, do in person and help them to... Uh, heal transform explore expand who they are as sexual beings and um sometimes that is healing something specific like wanting to get maintained better erections or last longer in bed or build confidence those are some of the top things i see um and often it's also because there's this uh, inner intuition telling them that intimacy there's more to intimacy than they've been taught or that they've discovered themselves and they want to figure out what that is um and yeah, my, they can find me on my website, which is RebeccaLowry.com or SexualAlchemy.com. Both point to the same place and I'm all over social media. So be Perfect. in touch. And I'll put RebeccaLowry.com um, in, the, in the caption of the podcast so that you can go and find that link easily. So oh, um, as we wrap up, I just love to know if there's anything that you would love to share on making love work on relationships um, that I haven't yet asked, if you just say something on your heart, you think it's important. If people currently don't have the love they want in their life, um, if there's just anything you feel like you want to share that they might need to hear. There's a couple of things that come to mind when you ask that. One is um, to not lose yourself in relationship. I did that for years and it was like a slow death every time. And I would somehow mold myself to be the person I thought they wanted me to be, or I would take on their interests or, and I lost myself and I was miserable, you know, and it, they hadn't done anything. It was all me. Um, so definitely that self-awareness piece I keep coming back to is know yourself and, um, and maintain that knowing of self within relationship, you know, do what brings you joy and you plural, but always have your your life somebody uh what years and years and years ago was talking about um i was asking her how come her relationship was so good and she said most people went i'm gonna i'm gonna show you something it, you have to describe to listeners what i'm doing but she put her two uh, like pinky oh, what is it thumb and ring thumb and pointy finger together you know to like make a circle and she said most people when they get together they do this so she did like made one big circle and she said but my partner and i didn't do that and she interlinked the mm -hmm. two and she said so we maintain ourselves, but we are linked yeah. and I was like oh that's good that's good so they maintain the integrity of themselves their own circle they're yeah. just linked together in their life mm -hmm. and I think that really planted a seed for me it didn't come to fruition until many years later mm -hmm. but uh, maintaining your own integrity and then linking together with a partner and the other thing is um is to get clear about the qualities and characteristics that you want in a partner, you know, and the, the thing I said earlier that I was going to refer back to, but that I didn't is that all this time that I was doing this neo-tantra work and getting good with myself, um, somebody had said to me about qualities and characteristics I wanted in a partner. So I started writing them down. I had this list where anytime I would meet somebody or see somebody or watch a show or whatever it was, where there was a quality of humanity that appealed to me that I thought I would want in a partner, I started writing it down. I didn't really put anything about looks because for me, it was 
yes, I want to be, um, I want there to be chemistry, but I don't particularly care what they look like. I just want there to be chemistry, so mm-hmm. chemistry, you know, on my list. And I had this list. I can't even remember. I kept it like buried in the back of a cupboard for two years. And every now and then I'd, you know, I'd forget about it. And then some quality would be really stand out to me. And I'd be like, oh, let me, let me go find that list and put this on the list. And interestingly enough, he had every quality on the list, apart from the ones that I myself did not have. Oh, that was really, yeah, uh-huh. I thought it was really interesting. Wow, and so like you attract what you are until you cultivate it in yourself. It's like, it's not there. Interesting. So yeah. did you grow that together? Pardon? Did you grow those qualities together or you just let, let them go? Yes. No, no, they were important to us both. So we've been working on them. It just, listen, you know, we're always a work in pro- progress, aren't we? There's And there's always areas that we have more mastery over and other areas that we just are not, just don't have it. You know? very and so, I would really rapidly lose a sense of purpose if I was not growing in some in some element somewhere yeah some place yeah and some thread and so we you know it's taken many years for us to get to some of the bits where you know like for example he didn't eat particularly well when we first met and he didn't it didn't even he didn't like he used to say he'd open the cupboard of his mind to look at you know stuff around food and meals and whatever and there was just nothing there like it just didn't there was nothing in there like he he fed himself. He was an adult, but it just, there was nothing. And it's taken years for him to go, okay, actually this is important to me because it's important to my health and it's impacting me. And so how do I learn about that? You know? So he has mastery over, you know, what he does in his life now and coaching and he's very uh, magical and spiritual and all of this stuff. And now he's able to do food as well. You know, so we, we have natural mastery at things and the other bits we have to go in and nurture more. And I think that, some patience with each other and with yourselves around that. And uh, like you say, a kind of willingness to, to be growing and um, allowing your partner to grow as well, I guess. Mm. I, I feel like there were some other things I was going to say there, but I keep going off on tangents, forgetting where I started. Beautiful. It's beautiful. I love it that, yeah, it, um, the piece on growing and there's always, I think you don't even have to look. If you're self-aware, life will spontaneously call you into growth. I have a thought that, you can either learn through pain or insight. So how do you know that where you've got to grow next? Well, where is the pain showing up? Um, or where does life keep telling you the same thing over and over through multiple mouthpieces? <laughs> because you'll get the message first as a message. Someone like 10 people will recommend the same book or 10 people will make the same comment. You'll, the hints will be there. Um, yeah. And if you don't pick them up, then you'll learn through pain. Um, which as I'm saying that, I'm just realizing what the next area of growth for myself is what messages I've been resisting um yes anyway that's um so as a thing, I'm just having a moment I love that you said the bird thing that's something I actually say all the time and um I cringe a little when you said it because I'm kind of resisting uh that quote myself at the moment <laughs> I'm like ah I can't even hide from this I've like literally put it on my Instagram before but yeah sometimes it is a little hard to find that self-trust and to know that um you will fly uh if you take um some risks and things like that but yeah it's it, it plants a seed even if you're not ready to believe and embody stuff just yet um at least be open to planting a seed Ah, uh, so much incredible wisdom today Rebecca I've really enjoyed talking with you and I feel like you've probably got just worlds more, you know, just your dove thing has been a real highlight for me. And I reckon you've probably got so many other amazing frameworks in there, but I'm very aware that um, you've got another, you've got 
to keep up with your schedule and time and things like that. So unless you have any parting words or a little statement, your mountaintop statement to the world that you would declare, if you could only say one thing, um, I'll, I'll just say thank you. Is there any, any final statement or words that you want to pop in there? No, I think we're good. I think if I start again, I'm going to go off on another tangent. We'll be here forever. <laughs> but I do want to say thank you so much for having me. I love talking about love and relationships and all of that. So thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks so much for listening along. I have popped a link to Rebecca's website in the caption of this episode. So you can head to RebeccaLowry.com where you'll find out more about her podcast that she's a host of about her her programs her offerings uh, head to her website rebeccalowry.com which I've put in the show notes and um, if you'd like to learn more about me your host Elise Peck head to elisepeck.com and if you um, know anyone with a really wonderful love story and you you think it would be very valuable or just a little bit valuable <laughs> for us to speak to them about how they came to have the love that they want in their life uh, please recommend that they go to my website, elisepeck.com, go to book now and book in a podcast interview with me so that we can capture their love story as another data point on this beautiful journey that we're, that we're on through this podcast, Love with Elise Peck, where we're collecting these love stories to gain more and more wisdom and insights via people that actually have the result, right? By studying, studying the people that have so much love in their life that they're literally willing to come onto a podcast and share about it. That's how loved up that they're feeling. Um, so I think it's so important to find people with the result that you want in your life and to learn as much as you can about the mindset that they've got going on on the topic. That's a really important success principle. It's something that's moved my life forward. And that is partly my mission with this podcast is to inundate your system with the evidence that love exists, uh, with, to inundate your system with the evidence that it exists for every kind of type of person, you know, that like you'll see there's not one archetype of person coming on the podcast that has love. There a range um, and to to really showcase the many different flavors of love and dynamics and then to hear the common threads throughout all the stories that the people that have long-term satisfying love are sharing um, so please share your love story if you've got one or uh, encourage someone in your life that has the love in their life to come and jump on the podcast so we can feature their love story and we can all learn and immerse ourselves in the love bubble together all right thanks so much for joining now if you'd like to take your love life to the next level you're feeling a curiosity or some level of uh, magnetism or alignment or attraction or pull or just some inner knowing um towards any of the insights or knowledge or my energy that I've shared today, please head to my website, elisebeck.com, book in a free one-on-one strategy call with me, and we will discuss where your love life or just your life is currently at, where you would like it to be, and uh, if we are a compatible match to uh, create that transformation, that up level in your life. All right. If you have enjoyed this episode, if you've got some value out of it, please give the podcast a five-star rating. Uh, Please share it with anyone you know that could benefit from having more love in their life. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you on another episode of Love with Elise Peck very soon. Bye for now.